listening to Purple 3Cap, your place for 100% biased, 100% Minnesotan discussion about our purple. Well, much has happened since we last spoke. Noodly arms, bum knees, and broken collarbones. And most of all, broken hearts for those in the green and gold. Of course, all this and much, much more on this week of Purple 3Cap. Well, hello, Purple Nation. I'm Carl Bates, joined as always by Quinn Jurgens, and in a rare appearance, uh, rare public appearance uh, since the uh, Michigan Wolverines lost uh, to the uh, to the Spartans a couple weeks ago, uh, Nicole Prajapati. Well, I, I first first off, I just need to address something. It's been a while since we've uh, done our last broadcast, and I'd like to thank our fans, our loyal, loyal listeners, for sticking with us and tuning in once again. In particular, I'd like to thank a very special fan um, who's who's been texting me and nagging me about another another show. So, shout out to Jerry House for staying with us. Thanks, Jerry. When you were a little kid, you looked a lot like a chipmunk. But yeah, so what you got for well, us today, while Mr. We're doing Mr. Shout, Carl? Shout outs, Quinn. Uh oh. While we're doing shout outs, there has been another fan. I don't know. I I hope he's still listening, but we did disappoint him by not being as regular as we were last year. But Mr. Kyle Wagner has been texting me as well. From D.C., From D.C., looking for some home cooking, some sports home cooking about the Minnesota Vikings. So, Kyle, if you're you're listening this week, this one's for, for you as well. And finally, Bradford Brennan, yes, this does exist, and yes, this is Quinn Juergens. Well... Since we last spoke, we've piled on some wins. In fact, I count four of them. Can you believe it? Um, but there's been uh, some tough things to talk about. Well, but there's four wins since we last last spoke. So there's five wins total. Uh, I was getting some hand signals from Quinn there. Um, it's a very visual podcast. Yes, very visual. Our live audience is chuckling. Trust me on that one. But the first thing... I want to talk about um, is really a, a devastating injury, um, an injury to to Dalvin Cook, player that, of course, was looking electric, um, and then, uh, of course, on a tricky patch of turf, it all went up in smoke. I mean, that has to be one of the most classic things in Vikings history. I mean, I don't know how many non-contact, how many more non-contact injuries. We can get hopefully none. Knock on wood. Um, but it's uh, it's been rough. If you look at the stats too, um, Dalvin Cook actually had more yards from scrimmage than Adrian Peterson um, over his first three games as well. So, so what you're saying is that Dalvin Cook was a surefire bet to be better than Adrian Peterson. Yeah, in every yep. facet of the game. Okay, exactly. I'm just I'm just making sure exactly. we're on the same yep, page because yep. that's. That's I mean, where my mind yeah, is going. So when I when you look at a sample size like that, I mean, you have to draw conclusions that this guy is going to be a future Hall of Famer, and uh, it's clear that he was on that track and, until this. Uh, and injury. if he if he does not make the Hall of Fame first ballot, mm-hmm. this is going to be why. But in all seriousness, though, this guy had it, and you can just tell how the offense has been before and after. 
their ability to run different formations and uh, run the running back out of the backfield, keep him into block, shift the receivers, tight ends around. It's it's different without Dalvin Cook on the field because I think the first thing they stressed with him when he came into camp was you got to pick up the blitz because if our offensive line is anything like it has been last year, we're going to be under a lot of pressure for the entire 60 minutes of the game. And he was able to do that. He was. And that it's a it's a good point, but I would like to commend the offense as well because when Dalvin Cook went down, there's clearly a void and the offense struggled. I think the farther and farther we get away from that injury, the more the offense adapts to him not being out there. And I think that comes with Jerick McKinnon, you know, getting more snaps, more playing and time fumbling and more. um Latavius Murray getting back from injury. I think he he was injured and I think he's finally, you know, getting into his own and um being part of this offense here. So I, I the offense has gotten better since Cook has has gone, but it's clear that he did uh leave a pretty big hole when he got injured. And of course that's not been the only hole that has opened up on offense. You have injuries to Stephon Diggs, Michael Floyd coming back into the lineup and now coming back out of the lineup because of injury. And uh, you also have uh, continued uncertainty at the quarterback position. But I want to go back to talking about the running back play. Um, I think we've seen very encouraging things since Dalvin Cook went down. And um, really, I want to first talk about Latavius Murray and his performance against Baltimore last week. I mean, I think that was a really, really positive sign um, from somebody who we had brought in to to be a lead back, um, of course, before the draft. And and that's something that whenever a, a lot of people thought when we signed Latavius Murray, because, of course, that was the pre-Delvin Cook uh, pick. Everybody thought that they were going to try and run him kind of like, a you know, the bell cow running back. Um, and then we drafted this Delvin Cook kid and everybody gets excited about him. But it really was encouraging to see that Latavius Murray could carry the ball 20 plus times in a game and be effective throughout because that's one of the number one things that leads to a win in this league, and that's having a running back that can carry the ball 20 times, eat up the clock, and keep your defense off the field. And the big, the, I think the big thing there is, like I alluded to earlier, was the, the injury. I think he's getting better off that injury, and he can, he can run better. He can, he can cut on that ankle better. And I think eventually... Jarek McKinnon has been oh, fine, I guess, over the last couple of years, but I've been years, weeks. Um, but I think Latavius Murray is going to take over that number one back role as he gets healthier and he fits more into the offense too. And and one could argue he's he's more like Dalvin Cook than um, McKinnon. He can come out of the backfield, he can run right between the tackles as well. So he's more of a fit to our offense as well, but. He's been good. I, he was encouraging in in that Baltimore game for sure. Uh, and continue on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, what do you think of the quarterback play from from Case Keenum? Case Keenum right now is just about the single most valuable free agent signing in the entire league. Because when you look at where this team would be without him, they'd be starting Kyle 
Slater, Slater, whatever it is. That number one. That number one, that lanky guy. You know, he's been on KFAN a couple of times. He seems like a good guy, signed from the Denver practice squad, but really they they'd just be they'd be going nowhere. And Case Keenum has been far better than anybody thought he would be. He tore apart the Buccaneers and He always and- tears apart the Buccaneers though, based on his career numbers. He goes like for three hundred yards against them every single time. Good, good that you watched the game and you heard him mention that twice because they were like showing that as an infographic. I like calling out Nicole when he uh, calls out specific statistics that they hammer in on TV. For those of you that aren't, uh... yeah. Anyway, tangent. Um, but no, he he's played well and played well enough to sustain drives and win games. So. One way or another, you know, he was able to win that Chicago game because we knew Bradford was not going to be able to do that in that just horrific half. And I really don't think we'll see Bradford play as a Viking again. This is coming from a guy that said after the Lions game we would win with Bradford. But that's besides the point. Um, yeah. Uh, Doesn't mean Case we can't Keenum win with Keenum. has been surprisingly good um, over the last four or five weeks. Um, he seems to, he, he doesn't play beyond the offense. He plays well within it and he doesn't force things, you know, uh, until a couple weeks ago, another stat that was brought up on TV. He hadn't uh, thrown an interception uh, in like 150, 198 um, attempts or something like that. So well, and then um, right afterwards he did throw yeah, an interception. Exactly. Though I will say I, I I wouldn't put that on him. No, so it's just a, a tough, tough, uh, tough play. Yeah, but that that being said, I mean, you look at some other quarterbacks that have gone down, and you know the drop off from Bradford to Keenum hasn't been as significant as you know Green Bay. Aaron I mean, Rodgers to Brett Huntley to, to Huntley has been had been precipitous. I mean, we have if. When healthy, we have about three quarterbacks that are approximately the same. That I feel. can all win games exactly. in the NFL. So um, I think, I don't know if Spielman necessarily thought of it that way, but he's ended up with three quarterbacks that, that can win games in this league. And, you know, if you have a quarterback that can do that, that's it's better than like the Browns or that have zero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the question here that I always like to ask is, do we have a quarterback on the roster right now who will start eight games for us next year? So you heard it here first, but we're going to add a caveat because I didn't factor in the three weeks I thought Teddy would start week seven, but I forgot that he. there's three weeks that the Vikings Coming from get. the pup list. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. So I didn't factor that in. But if you forgive me there, Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback week 10. Or what? what we have the Browns, a bye, and then... Um, the Redskins. The Redskins. Redskins. So, yeah, he'll start against the Redskins coming off the bye, and he'll be our quarterback from that point on. Well, I want to just table this discussion until the second half of the episode, Ooh. listeners, because in the second half, we're going to be looking ahead at where the season is going. And there'll be, of course, much more quarterback talk, much more Teddy Bridgewater talk then. 
Um, just quickly before we wrap up the segment. Well, we're not going oh, there quite okay. yet. I, I just wanted I just wanted to, you know, to table the quarterback talk gotcha. uh, until then. Um, the next thing I, I want to check about, of course, is what the biggest of the games from this stretch. And that, of course, was our matchup against the Packers, a game that uh, resulted in uh, a major national talking point. The ticker scrolling at every TV in the nation, breaking, 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 breaking news, and it was all about Aaron Rodgers. And of course, there was much more to the game um, than the hit on Aaron Rodgers. But unfortunately, um, I think that's the place to start the discussion. Um, and and to me, a uh, little bit disappointing because I mean, I just thought that was a, a fantastic play by by Barr. I thought that was it was clean. it was a clean hit. It was clean. Um, quarterbacks out of the pocket and. Uh, as Quinn, you like to point out to me, jumping in the air, and when that happens, uh, you're going to open yourself up to upper arm injuries, upper body injuries, excuse me. So I believe that it was a clean hit, and there is an argument by some that will say that it was late. But if it was late, it was maybe a half a step late. Maybe, maybe a half a step late. But the the biggest thing was that Aaron Rodgers, instead of falling just on his shoulder, he put his arm out. And that's, I think, that's, what caused the injury. If he falls in a natural like if a natural way without having the human instinct, me, you, anyone who gets hit like that is going to put their arm out. So I'm not blaming Aaron Rodgers for doing that. But if he had his arm tucked in for any reason, I don't. I think he gets up and it's fine and it's a clean play. The only reason it's de- being debated that it was dirty is because the dude got injured. In my opinion, I would absolutely agree on that too. Because if you fall shoulder first, your shoulder absorbs in the pads. The, the yeah. pads absorb it, like, and and even if your shoulder does get dislocated, maybe you rip miss the rest of that game, maybe the next game. But that's a quick heal. That's not an IR type of injury. The fact is, he stiff armed the ground like Julio Jones stiff armed the Packers secondary in the playoffs last year, and he was and and that just was a break don't bend and that's that's kind of where we ended up being so and i mean it's it's tough like admittedly it's tough to uh admit this but rod he's a generational talent right like it's fun it's not fun it's uh you watch him and and he makes throws where you're like wow like how the hell does someone make that throw how did he get out of that but you know, you have to contingency plan in this league, and the Packers clearly have not for a scenario where Rodgers goes down. Hunley's not doing it, and whoever their backup is, Callahan or whatever off the <laughs> practice squad, is, is not It's not going to do it. I mean, you look at the, how the Packers – that's why they're such an overrated team. I mean, McCarthy is surviving he on – He is not a good he's coach. Not, he's a terrible coach. He he's supposed to be this like quarterback like guru, guru. or whatever, um, but you look at the Packers and they haven't continued like the old, they stumbled into Flynn, um, and and luckily had a backup there, but they have no contingency plan. And I hate I don't necessarily like tooting the horn of the the Patriots, but how many times do have they had backups ready to go just in case Brady goes down? They had Castle Hoyer. Garoppolo, they have 
Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, Ryan Mallett. These are all guys that have started on other NFL teams, and you know they many of them in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the Packers. It's just annoying that these Packers, the Packers, are now like down on their luck. And can I can I add add one thing here? So, to to me, it's you never like to see players get hurt, right? right? But Packer fans, I think we can all agree, are just so so just seriously infuriating. And they're saying, oh, yeah, if we weren't playing our backup quarterback, we would have won that game. And it's thinking, well, if we weren't playing our backup quarterback, maybe we would have, you know. Right. We're well, I playing, mean, you yeah. saw week two last year, or week one last year. We we torched the Packers, I believe, um, or the or, one Monday night game, week two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. Bradford's. First, second game. First game because Sean Hill was... Right. Anyway, but, like, I mean, apples to apples, you can't, like, you can't say if we had Roger... I mean, if we had X, Y, and Z, you know, if we had Tom Brady, we would have won that game. Like, I mean... (laughs) We we were missing Dalvin Cook, we were missing Stefan Diggs, and we were missing Sam Bradford. And, you know, while we're on... While you brought Stefan Diggs up, um, we kind of glanced past this during the injury portion... Let's talk about how good Thielen and Diggs were through the first four weeks of the season. Cannot be understated. Unbelievable. They didn't they're they're not Antonio Brown, they're not Julio Jones, but they I believe I read somewhere that they were the most um they had the most yards out of any wide receiver duo in the league over the first four weeks. So Diggs went down, so obviously that number is now skewed, but they were incredibly productive. And Thielen continues to be. And and the thing that they just, that Thielen especially gave them was kind of that down-the-field presence that they just had not had before. Kind of that 20, 25-yard flag route that you just have not seen him And he's not a one-trick years. pony either. No. He can go, he can do the flag, but he can also do, like, crossers and short little stuff and play out of the slot as well. And one thing that, uh, the, you know, TV announcers like to point out from time to time is that I think he's well, what's that uh, town called Nicole that he's from? Lionel Lakes is it? Is it? No, is not it Saint Cloud? No. Oh, it's Detroit. Detroit Lakes. Lakes. It's Detroit Lakes. Lakes. Yeah, yeah. Did he go to Mankato State? I think he did for like th- five hundred bucks or something. Yeah, like that? yeah. Wow. I, well, did you know that, Quinn? I I think I've heard something similar. Okay. So I it's probably true. We might need to confirm it. Well, uh, wide receiver core, hot take. Uh, I think this is the best wide receiver core as a unit that the Vikings have had uh, since the Randy Moss era. I think the 2009 group was fairly good, but I think Favre made them look better. I mean, look, I mean, top to bottom, Diggs, Thielen, Michael Floyd, Treadwell, Jarius Wright. I mean, that's a that's a very solid What do we have in 09? We had Rice, Barian, Harvin. Um, Who's our slot Greg guy? Lewis. Greg Lewis. Who had that, that fantastic, amazing. fantastic catch. Yeah. I mean, it rivals it for sure. But like Sidney Rice, after Favre left, Sidney yeah, well, Rice didn't do much. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I, I think aren't, these... aren't both players retired at this point in yeah. time? All, all, actually, that entire core is retired it is, at this it point is. in time. I mean, it also has been nine, almost nine, eight years. But yeah. th- that's besides the point. I mean, I, I, I tend I, to agree with you there where... Instead of a quarterback making receivers look good, I think the, these receivers are making our quarterbacks look good. You know, so um, the uh, the live studio audiences um, 
applauding that point because he is absolutely right on that one. Now, uh, I think the other big talking point um, from the first half of the season um, is how consistent our defense has been. Um, and I think we'll talk more about that when we get into uh, our second half discussion. And so I think I wanted to wrap up our, our discussion on on the, this first half of the show at uh, just, well, I'll share a highlight uh, from the last five games. Um, and I'll, I'll start with Quinn. Got to be winning at Soldier Field. For us to win the division, you got to win divisional games. At that time, they had just lost to the Lions, and the Packers were next week with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. That Soldier Field game, to me, was a must-win. You lose that game, hopes for the division have got to be gone. I have two highlights, if if you will. Um, number one would have to be the, I I hope, the emergence of Latavius Murray. I mean, he was damn good in that Ravens game. And the Ravens, I believe, are not, they're not a terrible run defense um, this year, and they tend to play well on defense regardless. Brandon Williams is a monster yeah. on the inside. So, so that, so two things there is Latavius Murray and our offensive line kind of figuring it out here. And then number two is regardless of who, plays for the Packers it's always fun to watch actually so that those are my those are my highlights uh, for the uh first half I should say uh, my highlights uh, besides of course all the the great options that were already mentioned uh, has to be Case Keenum just lighting up the Bucks um you know we came off the high of the Saints win Bradford looking like our savior to the low of uh him not being able to go against Steelers and I, th- I think it was really really um major morale boost for Case Keenum to go out there and show that he can win games for this team. Uh, So I would have to uh, put my highlight there. Well, there's a lot we're going to be talking about in the second half of the show. We're really going to look ahead um, at what the rest of the season is going to bring for your Vikings. Um, And we'll get there in just a brief moment. But first up, we'll bring you our flags on the play. All right, Purple Nation, welcome back to Purple 3 Cap, and it is time for everybody's favorite segment, and that is Flag on the Play, and that is something around the NFL each week that just is funny, stupid, just makes you say, come on, what's going on? And my flag on the play is is going to be on the Vikings for once, and it's going to be on Mike Zimmer. Somebody who seems to make very bread-and-butter, vanilla decisions more often than not. Sometimes, as extravagant as his play calls get, would end up being sending three linebackers rather than two, but he's generally been pretty good. And uh, what I really am starting to get ticked off at is whenever they score a touchdown, you hear, let's go crazy in U.S. Bank Stadium, played by Prince, rest in peace, and all of a sudden, you see Kai Forbath trotting out to kick an extra point. And it is an adventure. He's missed multiple extra points both years he's been here. The Vikings have missed more extra points than any other team by a long shot. 
since our Lord and Savior Roger Goodell pushed that extra point line from the two-yard line to the 16. So let's look at the personnel that Mike Zimmer has to deal with when he could be going for two. You've got a six foot seven monster named Kyle Rudolph. You've got Stefan Diggs who can stop on a dime. You've just got Adam Thielen, and we, we all just love Adam Thielen. You know, I, we like him. We've liked him for a long time here on Purple Three Cap. And you've got Case Keenum and his mobility. He's got some wheels. He's got some wheels. And you've failed to mention Latavius Murray, McKinnon, and. C.J. Ham. Stop. Hammer time. Exactly. Yeah. There are a lot of weapons on this Though offense. We are missing Red Ellison. So I know. I know. You weren't. I'm still not over that. I'm still not over that. I need my grieving period. You know how like Packer fans had their midnight vigil for Aaron Rodgers. I think I had mine for Red Ellison as well. You've also forgotten Michael Floyd. Even though he's injured, he is a red zone he threat. He is. He is. He was well, continue, jump, continue with He was your... a jump ball machine in oh, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's just you have so many weapons, and you got to think, okay, think of how many extra points you've missed. How many times can you go for two and actually miss it with those guys? you got to think that you can get there half the time, right? So, Mike Zimmer, come on. I'm throwing a flag on you kicking the extra point nearly every time. I mean... Let me just say this. If the Bears can come up with that kind of two-point conversion, every team in the league should go for two. If the Bears can yeah. come up with that, like, uh, come on. I will that, was, be. That, was, that was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen in my whole life. And the friggin' Bears pulled it off. <laughs> I, I got to say, even though that was against the Vikings, when, when I saw that play happen, I, I just kind of kind of applauded and uh. just said, I'm not even mad. That's, that's impressive. Uh. Can I add a little corollary here to your flag on your play? Let's hit it. Let's let's hit. Um, one thing that really bugs me is that coaches don't go with the statistics. Like, even though it makes statistical sense to go for two more often than not, they still kick that stupid extra point. And it's it's things like that, things like Belichick that game against Indianapolis when he went for it on fourth and two from his own 30 statistically that was the right move but since he didn't make it everyone doesn't we go still, we yeah. still remember it I know it's just it's annoying that they should incorporate more stats into their decisions but they don't they just play things so conservatively even though it makes more sense to do to go for it on fourth down or to go for two. But I don't know when, when you get egg on your face and one of the greatest coaches ever, you know, happens, he ran the right play there. Indianapolis just happened to do it a little bit better and stop him. But that apparently stops people from rolling the dice, you know, I hear you. So let me ask you one question. Yeah. What is your flag on the play? So if you thought that was fun, me adding just a corollary. This is my real flag on the play. And it has to do with the Chicago Bears. Is and, corollary a word? Of course it is. Look it up. Someone look it up right now while I'm talking. Anyway, it has to do with the Chicago Bears. And despite the fact that the nation got to see that sweet two-point conversion, <laughs> the Chicago Bears should not be allowed 
to be on national TV. Monday night football, take them off. Sunday night football, take them off of that. There should be an exception that prevents the Bears from playing on Thursday night football. They're a terrible team, and they're not fun to watch. Mitchell Trubisky, I think, completed four passes. Four of seven. He was four of seven. They somehow ended up winning, but they should not be on a national platform ever. Like, this game, the Vikings and the Bears, was three to two at halftime. It's the worst ratings with... Monday Night Football has ever seen. Like, it's because the Vikings were playing Sam Bradford and his broken shoulder or knee or whatever's wrong with him these days, and the Bears, who are starting this rookie quarterback that apparently they only trust to throw seven goddamn times in a game. Like, the Bears should not be able to play in national TV. That is my flag on the play. By the way, corollary is a word, however you're just using it a little incorrectly. It's actually a mathematical reference. Oh my god. All right. I will, I will prove you wrong while Carl talks. Well, my flag on the play. I got slightly sniped uh by you guys uh and in a previous discussion and uh that was on the discussion of course on Adam Thielen and his hometown. Uh but I'll I'll widen it out a little bit. Uh my flag on the play is for uh those things you hear in broadcasts every single game, like Adam Thielen's hometown. And, of course, it's even better when they go to the nice visual package where they, you know, they put the player up, for example, Adam Thielen, um, every game after his hot streak. And, oh, by the way, you know, he's from blank, blank, blank. You know, it's not like we don't watch these teams week in and week out. We need a little bit more variability in the television broadcast hey where'd marcus sherrill's go to school is is he from minnesota um i think was it umd no he was he no. was he was university of minnesota oh, yeah. i think yeah. university of minnesota. i don't think that's ever been mentioned on a broadcast huh and you know when we were watching that steelers game mm-hmm. i think i heard that xavier rhodes and antonio brown went to the same high school no i think I think they also, like, grew up in the same, like, neighborhood or something like that, No. Yeah. Wow. Did you know they also might have practiced together in summer? Like, during You're the serious. Offseason? Like, two players from different, different teams. teams. That's unbelievable. I, I, I wish they had covered that more. I or mean, I wish they would have said something on the broadcast. I mean, maybe they mentioned it like pregame, and and I'm like just maybe like, like Jake Glazer came yeah. on and said something stupid, but but I don't wow. think they ever said that during the broadcast. Do you? Don't think so. Don't think. So. Huh. Don't think huh. I heard it once. Interesting. Well, broadcasting yeah. needs to be better. <laughs> the only one who's doing it right right now are Jim Nance and Tony Romo. They're the only good ones on right now. Monday Night Football is terrible. It's so bad. Chris Collinsworth needs to stop his his to- he talks too much. He likes to say, "Now here's a guy." <laughs> everyone's everyone's so bad this year. Tony Romo is just killing the game. Him and Nance should announce every football game. They should do multi-screen with them commenting on every single one. By the way, um, there's a flag on the play that I'm actually going to pick up 
And that's the fact that when the Vikings played the Packers, we had Troy Aikman announce, but we did not have to listen to Joe Buck. It was oh, amazing. It was amazing. Because think of what would have happened. There's going to be a lot. Think of what would have happened if Aaron Rodgers had gone down oh, and Joe Buck God. would have been there in the flesh to watch it. Oh. It would have been bad. would have been bad. Can I just uh, quickly say corollary can be a supplementary point as well. Definition right here. So I was right and I used it correctly. We can move on to the next segment. Thank you. Well, Purple Nation, in a jam-packed second half of the show for you, uh, when, you know, I was looking at the schedule Moving forward to me, even though it's not after week eight, it's not after the bye. This is the true midpoint of the season. And the reason I say that is because coming up, we have a really brutal stretch of away games. And uh, this starts, of course, with the game in London against the uh, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. And so we're going to start a discussion in the short term, look at the Browns game, but then we'll open it up further and kind of look at kind of this next chunk of games up until December 17th against the Bengals. So it's the next six games we'll look at, but first against the Browns. And um, to me, one of the big uh, talking points that have come up um, since the game on Sunday is, one, Sandejo has been suspended for a game for his hit on Mike Wallace. Uh, So we're going to see Harris probably slot in as safety. Um, I'm the not Harris worried. Curse. I, it, it's Harris. Curse yeah. usually uh, is Harrison Smith's, Smith's back. back I, I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, we're going up. Andrew Sandejo is a is a serviceable safety. Yeah, yeah, and we're going up against the Browns. Yeah. So if if we were going up against uh, Drew Brees again or Aaron Rodgers again, I might be concerned. But maybe I think Zimmer does a good enough job to put players yeah. in the correct position. And maybe, you know, instead of bringing Harrison Smith down, you keep him high. Yeah. But, I mean, though, it's a Browns. Like, yep. They're starting their, like, umpteenth quarterback again. We don't, yeah, we don't yeah. even know who the quarterback yeah, I mean, is going to be. And it's, a not wheel, yeah. so. due to, it's, really it's not due to injury. We they're, just, they're just. And Joe Thomas is done for the year, too. So Everson cool. Griffin should just. Murder somebody. I think that's a light way of putting it. I mean, it's. it's <sighs> the Browns. You know, I was. We talked about this briefly when, like, during our first podcast. I thought the Browns will be better. And well, they have lost a lot of close games. Yeah, but but still, man, like they have. How many years of like great picks have they had? Like ten, it has to be now, right? Yeah, like ten years of top. Ten players. They've had, they've had great picks, but have they made great picks? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. But yeah, Browns. Okay, I, going on this like rant thing. Um, I, I've ranted twice now. My third thing will be this game in London, eight thirty kickoff. Are you kidding me? That's too early. It's it's too early to watch an NFL football game at eight thirty in the morning. And does this count as one of our home games? No, 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 no. one no, of theirs, and that's why I'm okay with it. Because yeah. we would be ranting about it if it were one of our exactly. home games. Don't and get me wrong. And we did use it as a home game when the bank was being uh, built. But um, the Browns are... No, no, we didn't. Yeah, we did. 
When wait, who did we play there? We played. Oh, I don't remember. I again, I didn't wake up for that game. It was too <laughs> early. Um, it was it was it was during construction. Look it up. I know I'm right here. Was it the Steelers? It could have been. I think it was the Steelers because yeah. they haven't been here in a really long time. Yeah. Yep. So, regardless, um, that it's just it's a gimmicky kind of thing. England is soccer country. It's they're they're never gonna love football. Well, it's soccer. Just like rug- we're never gonna love soccer. <laughs> Well, that's another debate, but um, yeah, the Browns. I think we can handle the Browns. I think we should win that game handily. I, well, let, let's talk a little bit more about this because, frankly, if this game was in Cleveland, I would feel a lot better about it than if it. Was I in I would agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, because it, it just you can, you can all. That's another wild card traveling across the Atlantic. You know, you just have. It's just that extra thing that you wish you didn't have to deal with it, and, and they're going to be doing it too. But yeah. it's just. But when you, also when you think about it, the Browns doing anything seems to be like just a disaster, a tire fire for mm-hmm. them. So like, imagine them trying to get a team to London. Oh my god, I I can just imagine like they're they're not even going to be ready. If we're not ready, they're definitely not going to be ready. So. I understand your point where if it was in Cleveland, I'd feel better about it, but it might just end up being a wash anyway, you know? So I think we handle it. I think by the time I wake up, we'll see a win. (laughs) Well, moving to the offensive side of the ball, uh, we're starting to see cracks appear in the offensive line Mm -hmm. due to injury. And uh, to me, this, that has been what I would say has been the standout unit not because they're necessarily the best unit, but the standout unit of the first half of the season has been the offensive line play because it's been <laughs> dramatically better. I mean, you, you can just tell by the holes that are open, well, opening up for the running game and the fact and that— how much time yeah. Keenum— Keenum isn't always well, one on of the big ass. things is we've had five start, you know, every single game. Like, last year was a turnstile. One person would go on, another person would go down. Well, We'd have, like, so many iterations of— offensive line but here, here's my point is now there are starting starting to be iterations and so for example Nick Easton has gotten a little banged up Jeremiah uh, Searles and now Jer- and Jeremiah Searles came Riley in Reif. played pretty well um but looks like he's gonna have a more s- serious long-term injury I'm, I'm not sure what the diagnosis has been but it, it looked to be a, a long-term issue right um there is talk that Easton he will at least travel with the team he might be able to suit up um, otherwise, we're talking probably about a rookie, Danny Isadora, uh, and uh, Riley Reef has also been banged up. Um, looks like, again, he's going to play. Um, but my question, I guess, has been, and, and I, I will add that especially the tackles we've signed have actually <laughs> turned out to be very, very good signings. Um, and so I guess my question I want to pose to you guys is how, how many injuries to the line do you think we can sustain? Because there's, there's going to be more um, as the season progresses. So... Isadora was good. He ended up being pretty good when Searles went down in this last game. He, I think there's an article written about him that he was really good on the ground, good enough in the passing game. I think we get in trouble if Reef or Remmers goes down. And because it goes down in, for a significant Yeah, for a significant time. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we have an offensive tackle, I think two, on the on the squad, but they're young and, and it's thank God not TJ Clemmings, but it's um it's they're young guys and they haven't been asked to do anything. Um inside line play 
I think can survive. Maybe Searle's going down. Um, but I think the biggest thing is if the tackles go down, I think we're going to be looking at some bad news bear situations because we're all, we're all, we're so light there. So yeah, and they've been they've been talking about how Rife could play this week. Uh, Zimmer's thinking he's not ruled them out yet is what I'm trying to get at. And if we ever get in a scenario where we're starting both backup tackles, that's what could be problematic. And I think that's regardless of what the inside of the line looks like. It's just when you've got Hill on the left side and God only knows on the right side, that's questionable. Right. But I think we can say Cleveland next week will be a win. Let's get some let's get some score predictions here. All right, I'll say uh twenty seven to sixteen. I will say twenty nine to five. And is that with a missed extra point? It's gonna be with a missed extra point, yes. And uh we're gonna get a safety and or they're gonna get a safety and a field goal. Okay. I'm kind of going both ways on this because I could easily see uh, our defense winning this game for us handily. Um, but it's kind of a fluke game we've been talking about, and the Browns have been playing teams close. So uh, I'm expecting us to to ride the old leg, as we we might say. And it's I'm thinking like a like a 12 to three okay. is my prediction. Well, now let's look really at uh, this chunk of games as a whole after the bye, um, and. The majority of them occur on the road, um, and for a team that is as good as uh, as at home, our new fortress, uh, this is going to be a real challenge. And uh, not only are some of these games on the road, um, but they're all against what I would consider average to above average teams. The... Uh, the stat that uh, Nicole was happy to uh, provide me was uh, we are 11 and 15 on the road under Coach Zimmer. Um, and I think what has been kind of the pattern for the team under the last number of years is our defense has been winning games for us and our offense has been managing games. And when either of those go slightly haywire, um, it becomes difficult, becomes difficult for us. Um, do you think that, um, especially this defense, um, do you think that they're going to be able to continue to to win us games in the second half of the season? Um, and do we run into trouble if we start start hitting key injuries um, to members uh, of the defensive unit? Because so, thus far, we've really we've really been able to avoid those. Oh, it's it's not an if; it's a when. We will lose a Harrison Smith or Xavier Rhodes or in Anthony Barr at some point this year, <clears throat> and it may be for several weeks or even for the rest of the season, but we need to know that it's kind of like the next man up philosophy, and it's going to depend on how late in the year it happens. Um, for instance, if we start losing those guys right around the time where we have to go and play Lions, Falcons, Panthers all on the road, that's going to be a nightmare. But if we can get through those three games with a, with a decent record intact, I think, uh, I think we would be in a very good position to make the playoffs. So if we assume the Browns is a win, 
What's the record? Then? Six and two. And for me, at least, looking at uh, what the division is shaping up to be, I mean, I think we could win the division with ten games. We're looking at four wins in the second half of the season. Um, so let me let me read down um, the schedule. Uh, we'll be at the Redskins, and then at home against a good Rams team, a surprisingly a very good surprisingly Rams good Rams team. team. Um, not going to be an easy game as it may have been in the past. Um, then at the Lions at the Falcons, and at the Panthers. Um, and then the the game that I was kind of highlighting as kind of the end of this chunk that I wanted to look at today um, is at home against the Bengals on December 17th. So not, not at home besides the Rams game until December 17th. Um, and we're looking at uh, the Falcons coming off being NFC champions. We're looking at the Panthers two years ago were NFC champions. Uh, look... You can't quite pin them down yet. Um, and then, of course, the Lions, um, the other team we haven't mentioned yet, uh, is a team that has been a bogey team for us in the last couple of seasons. And I, I would suggest if there was one game that I really, really wanted to win the most out of this stretch, it's against the Lions. The losses that we've had uh, this season and the last season have been incredibly frustrating. To me, they have been the most frustrating losses that we put on the board in the last two seasons because I think every single one of those games we should have won, um, and the, the the fact that we were not able to come out with any of those games with wins has been, frankly, incredibly frustrating to me. Yeah, I think um, anytime you throw in a divisional opponent, um, that makes it all the more pivotal, um, because that really gives you a chance to put that much more distance between you and whoever is in second place, um, because if you... If you can say, and I don't want to say it now, but if you can say that the Lions have the second best odds if Aaron Rodgers does not return or only returns for the last one or two games, then they're they're the next team up. So that win would just go so, so far. And then all of a sudden you're three and one in the division and you've beaten every team in the division. So nobody's going to go two and zero oh against you. And that is huge. Mm-hmm. I agree with you guys. I don't really have anything more to add in terms of a general picture. Um, shall we dive into the to the games? Let's do it. Well, the the one other thing that I want to talk about, and as I mentioned in the first half of the show, uh, we would talk more about the quarterback position in the second half of the show. Um, we talked about Case Keenum. We talked a little bit about Teddy. talked course about Sam Bradford and uh, there's talk for example that the Vikings might bring might bring four quarterbacks with them to London Um, and so that suggests to me that uh, there there is all these players four quarterbacks correct active quarterbacks they won't all be active now (laughs) but they will bring with them four quarterbacks to London Um, so that suggests to me that there's a chance um, you know any of these quarterbacks could be taking the field in the second half season uh how how do you see um the quarterback position shaping up in the second half of the year um i would agree um with your suggestion earlier quinn that uh, sam bradford probably isn't going to play again for the vikings um definitely a tough injury overcome but you know there is a chance so for me it really comes down to uh the play of case keenum uh, who has been steady who has had time to get and gel with this offense now um and uh the comeback of teddy bridgewater um how do you guys see that playing out in the second half? You of the wouldn't. Season? You shouldn't even hand Teddy Bridgewater the ball until Case Keenum loses multiple games in a row. Just keep him under center. That's the only thing that I could say. 
I have no idea how it's going to play out. Yeah. Um, I You also heard it here first that Teddy Bridgewater is going to start week 10 or whenever we come back from the bye um, against Washington. And I think it's a perfect time to hand over the keys to our franchise guy coming off a bye. And uh, as one of my good friends say, you know, there there will be regression to the mean. So Case Keenum is playing out of his mind right now. He's playing as a top 10 quarterback in the league um, over the last couple of three weeks, I think. I think he statistically was there. Um, but he will regress, I think. He will regress back to his serviceable backup. Well, I see. I mean, I I don't think he's I think he's been playing as a serviceable back. I mean, he he did not put up good stats against the Ravens. Um, he didn't throw a touchdown. He didn't, he didn't need to. I mean, the ground game worked. But. Well, they weren't able to score touchdowns. They they were settling for field goals consistently and that would work against Baltimore, but not against so he's, he's not out of his mind by any means. He is uh kind of playing it as average. And right so th- this is what I, this is, you know, what is interesting to me is, um, you know, we could be winning. I mean, all of the games that I listed, um, none of those teams look like they are going to be elite this year. Falcons could be back in the play. Any of those teams could mm. be playoff teams, um, but they don't necessarily look like they're the elite teams, right? So foreseeably, even though these a lot of these games are on the road, um, Vikings could come out with a lot of wins and we could be looking um, as we had in the second half, you know, the end, the final stretch of the season, uh, like we're going to be a first round by playoff team wow. with case with case Keenum as quarterback. Hang on, hang on, let me just 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 finish this out. But when you get into the playoffs, you're going to be playing, you know, the highest quality op- opposition that there is um, in in our conference. And so, um, case Keenum, as serviceable as he's been, I don't think he's going to win you games and so Teddy Bridgewater he's more of a wild card he could be right playoff games Mm -hmm. excuse me Um, Teddy Bridgewater theoretically could have the ability to to win games and so um, that's that's kind of what I want to ask you Quinn is um, even though there might be might not be a stretch of really poor performances by Keenum or the team um, but when you know you're looking you're looking at the playoffs um do do we need to find a way to at least give Teddy a look? To me, it it would have to be only if Keenum just looks terrible, and if Keenum starts losing games because you got to remember how devastating that injury was. It's going to be we may not be seeing Keenum any or Bridgewater anywhere close to what he was when we went eleven and five, and even when he was eleven and five. It's not like he was winning us games either. He but he was, was ascending. He was ascending, but then that knee injury set him way back. He'll be less mobile without that, and he could just be one. Sure, but thing. he was. I thought. Okay. I think. I think the question has nothing to do with Bridgewater. I think the question is, can Keenum win us a playoff game? And that should be ultimately what we're talking about. Um, because what are we talking about? Talking about playoffs. <laughs> But I I think that uh, Keenum could, as long as Keenum can manage a playoff game, I'm not sure he can win one. And I still don't think that Bridgewater can win us a playoff game. Not not unless we see something 
that we don't necessarily know now. Let me just throw another <clears throat> name uh, name into the ring, Sam Bradford. Uh, Zimmer went back to him against the Bears, right? Uh, when it looked clear that you know he really wasn't wasn't going to be able to be effective, and we of course saw that in the first half. But the fact that he he did put him back out there, what does that suggest about about Case Keenum? Um, but also, what does that suggest about Sam Bradford? Do you think that if perfectly healthy, uh, the coaches look at Sam Bradford as somebody who could win win them playoff games? So can I uh, can I just say you said if Sam Bradford can get perfectly healthy, the diagnosis on his knee, from what I've heard, is arthritis. It is a the word you're looking for degenerative. is degenerative. There we go. Degenerative injuries that can't be fixed by surgery, can't be fixed by rehab. It, it, it affects people who are like 80 years old. So this dude's never going to come back perfect. And he was already a statue to begin with. So honestly, I mean, all things considered, it has to come down to this two-horse race between Keenum and Bridgewater. And if the coaches believe that it's worth putting Bridgewater in because he has a higher ceiling than Keenum, I think you pull the trigger and give him as many reps as possible. I get I get all the points you made there, Quinn. It makes sense. He might not be as mobile as he once was, but Teddy, it, I don't know if you watch any practice highlights. The dude looks bigger now. He looks like he, he's been in the weight room at least for sure, but I think Teddy honestly can come back and be that quarterback that can win a playoff game, if that's the conversation that we're going to have. I mean, Case Keenum has performed admirably, and we've talked about it, but I think you got you got to give the keys to, to Bridgewater because he has that higher ceiling. In, in that one year that Bridge or either of those years that Bridgewater was the starting quarterback, name me one game that he won. Because he really didn't, and I'm, I, I, that's hypothetical, or... um. Uh, rhetorical rather um because i because there really there isn't really one that that he won it was always on the back the defense or the running game and he was a game manager and that's what what keenum is and as long and keenum in the last three games has managed all of them and managed them to be wins so i'd say stick with keenum so in an ideal scenario for me uh, we could be in a position at the end of the year where we've we've locked up uh, our playoff spot, and we could throw out Teddy in week sixteen or week seventeen um, to just kind of give him a go and see what we have, and that also will you know rest case for the playoffs. But um, it really doesn't look like our schedule allows for that because week nope. sixteen we're playing Green Bay on the road with um, Rodgers potentially back. Right. And oh, he'll be and back. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if Green Bay doesn't even win another game for the season. Uh, that that game still means everything. That means everything um to uh, the team and and of course to to Vikings fans. And so y- you can't just, you know, throw them out there um as, you know, kind of a bogey game. And then week 17 against Chicago. So you have two divisional games that could be potentially be important and in divisional games against your main rivals you want to win. So unfortunately, I don't think that strategy is going to work. Um, the, the last thing I want to say about this is um, we don't have any quarterbacks under contract next year. So do you think um, that you need 
to at least see Bridgewater um, so before potentially giving him another har- deal. Back, in, in, in a competitive game, not just in practice. Harkening back to uh, to the beginning of the year when we brought up the Why Your Team Sucks Minnesota Vikings edition. I don't care, or I don't, I, I do care, but the Vikings will make a decision and it will be the wrong one. Yep. It, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like they might, they might extend Keenum and watch. He'll get injured or he'll be terrible next year. Same thing with Bridgewater. Like it, the way things work for the Minnesota Vikings, they're going to make a decision and it's going to be the wrong one. It doesn't matter who they sign. It's going to be the wrong decision. Um, but I, I, I mean, you might want to see Bridgewater in a competitive sense, but I don't know. Might as well have. I, I would sign both Keenum and Bridgewater. I think that's what it's going <clears> to <throat> end up being. There's no reason to re-sign Sam Bradford. Exactly. Unless you could fool a team like the Browns into giving you like a first-round pick or something like that. Which isn't ever out of the question. Yeah, so you could sign and trade him or something like that, which would be so funny and so classic. But shall we re- jump into the games now? Let's let's jump into the games. Yes. So uh, coming out of, the, out of the bye at the Redskins. I say that's a loss. I also say that's a loss. Want to know why? Because that field is cursed. FedEx Field is a terrible place for the Vikings to play. It is. Um, also, I, I was on the phone with my buddy here, Quinn, and when was the last time the Redskins came here to play us? Right? We always right? play the Redskins at Redskins. Like, that's ridiculous, but I think it's a loss for me. You know, I, I actually uh, I want to throw a little ringer into the mix uh, in the game. Uh, last night, the Redskins-Eagles game, there was a little bit of a bang-up to the starting right tackle for the Washington Redskins. And do you guess, do you know who came into the game for the Redskins? No. No. Don't tell T.J. Clemmings. T.J. Clemmings. And I'm telling you, if that right tackle for Redskins doesn't get healthy before then, and we're going up against T.J. Clemmings, it's going to be a W. Revenge game. All right. Next up, at home against the Rams. Now, this one is the closest thing to a toss-up on the schedule. I think some way, somehow, we make it out there with uh, with a win. Um, it's going to be a close one. Though. I tend to agree. I have, as you can see, a T here for toss-up. Um, I think we lose this game as well, though. Um, well, the, uh, the optimist in me is going for a W, and let me tell you why. I mean... The Rams have been winning because they have a a good a good defense and a very good running game. The Vikings have been stellar against the run. Todd Gurley is going to get nothing going on the ground, um, and so the the Rams are going to have to find another way to win this game. And I'm not convinced that uh, their young quarterback can do that at home, at the bank. I'm going for I'm going that's, for a win. That's why I'd say neutral site. These teams are equal in nearly every way but you give them the three points because it's home field. So I'm right. saying that'd be a, I'd say that's a W for the Rams or against the Rams. All right, next up, at Ford Field against the Lions. Keep in mind, this is Thanksgiving, so I'm saying that's a loss. Oh, about, we get the Thanksgiving game we, again? Again. Um, I actually uh, will. You think we're going to win? That? I think we're going to win that game. Why? So. Why do I think we're going to win that game? Number one, revenge game. Times two, because we got screwed at the bank last year when that idiot 
Golden Tate stupidly somersaulted into our end zone. Mm-hmm. And this year, we were not playing um, completely healthy against the, the Lions. And they're, uh, as my friend says, their defense has regressed to the mean. They cannot uh keep causing these turnovers that they were in the beginning of the year. I think we'll go into the Lions, beat them. Bradford, or not Bradford, um, Stafford is a little bit uh, banged up. He um, is very banged up. And uh, they just, eh, I, I don't see them. And, and it's the Lions, man. Like, the, they'll have something in their hands. And they'll just let it slip out of their hands. So I think I think this is going to be a win for the Well, Vikings. let me tell you. I mean, I think the Lions' best defensive performance was against us um, in Week 4. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in, in the episode, this is a game I, I want to win the most. I've been frustrated, to say the least, by some of the losses against the Lions. However, my concern is fourth quarter Matt Stafford. The Lions yep. manage, it's it's unbelievable to get down, I mean, even even last week, an ungodly amount of points, and all of a sudden they come roaring back out of nowhere. No um, and uh, at home, on Thanksgiving, on Turkey Day, uh, <laughs> we, we might see a repeat of last year. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's going to be my, my first loss of these on the schedule. Up next, against the Falcons in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think unless Atlanta... Um, or if Atlanta completely implodes like we've actually seen signs of, i.e. on Sunday night against the Patriots, I think that's going to be a loss. Um, I, I'm i just going with loss there. No explanation needed. Um, so I'm just going to package this a little bit. Um, it's Atlanta and then Carolina, correct? Yep, and two they're both back on to the back. road. So I think we're going to take one of two. I don't. One of them's gonna be a win. One of them's gonna be a loss. I don't know which way. I think that. Go. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna lose to either Carolina or Atlanta. I can't really tell you where. Um, so I, I don't know if you. We've kind of talked about Carolina at this point. I think I'm. I'm reading eight and eight and five, right? Based on predictions. Yep. Eight and five. Okay. So after Carolina, we're sitting at eight and five. Yep. And we have how many games left? We've got Cincinnati, Green Bay, Chicago. Three. Okay. So eight and five. What's uh, what's next after uh, Carolina? Cincinnati at home. Well, uh, let me weigh. I gotta weigh in oh, here. Yeah, like, right. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, the the Falcons game for me um, is gonna come down to how healthy the wide receiver core for the Falcons are. Because um, as good as Xavier Rhodes has been, if if there's an area that can be exploited on our defense, um, it's it's the secondary still. Um, and so, to me. Um, if if the Falcons uh, wide receiver core is healthy, I, I I definitely can see the Falcons winning that game. So I'm gonna give it to the Falcons. But the Panthers game, I feel very very confident about beating the Panthers. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that. I the Panthers offensive line is horrible. We get to see our friend Matt Khalil if he's still starting Revenge at that game. point in time. <laughs> um, I think they've lost Ryan Khalil for the year, who's I one of their so. best offensive linemen. And I mean, I'm watching cam last weekend I mean, he's he had absolutely no time to throw the ball and the lions can't run the ball to save their lives cam newton's the, been there uh, panthers that's what i said you said the lions man i'm gonna credit that to a seizure <laughs> the panthers cam newton has been the panthers uh leading rusher uh like i think the last three games and I think Jonathan Stewart had something like negative 10 he's yards still in the league <laughs> <laughs> right but Christian McCaffrey catching the ball out of the backfield does scare me. 
I, I do think we'll beat the Panthers and lose to the Falcons, though. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I just want to point out, I have is I have us at nine wins. So you have, so you're at nine. I'm at eight. I I'm think at eight. you're at eight as eight. well, Quinn. So sorry, Carl. Now that <laughs> you've uh, put your two cents in here, let's go to the Bengals at home. I think that that's, be a win. that's a win, um, easily. Yeah, I, I, I think, and I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think Zimmer has is undefeated against Marvin Lewis. I I, I know we don't play them a, a ton, but if Marvin Lewis still has a job, then. yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, frankly, but ba- he'll always Bengals have a job have there. Not so been, not been great. No. Um, late season Bengals though is kind of they're kind of a weird team. I but I I still don't nothing, think we're gonna. There's nothing and that I indicates think, that we should lose this. And game. I think their division is good enough. They're not gonna have. They're not gonna be in the playoff race at that point. Right. Fair time. enough. Yes. So we're. So I'm at nine wins. You're at nine, nine wins. wins. Carl, you're at ten wins right now. Okay. So next game is Green Bay at Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers back. That's they pissed a loss. off. They're That's gonna, a loss. They're gonna it, take us to the woodshed. I think because there is no way Aaron Rodgers will not be back for that game, and there is no way he doesn't take us apart in that yeah. game. That's a loss. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be. I'll give you a score prediction. This if. Insured if Aaron Rodgers right, okay. right, and assuming the rest of the offensive, sure, with yeah. teams being most sure, sure equal, I think the Packers will pick up put up the most points we've given up this year. I think they put up forty two against us, forty two, and we put up I don't know like twenty or something. Okay, I would not be surprised to see that at all. See, I mean, for me, you know, how many games? You know, Andrew Luck, he's almost he's gonna come back this year, right? No, he's not gonna play again this year. Aaron Rodgers, oh, he's gonna come back this year. No, he's not playing another game in twenty seventeen. And uh maybe uh Hunley maybe will have got his act together. I mean, it's at Green Bay. It's a tough place. Not a place you go in and predicting a win, but I, I, I don't think Rodgers is gonna play. So I'm I'm giving us the W. So so you have eleven <laughs> wins right now. We're at we're both nine. sitting at nine. nine, so we're not. I'm at nine and six. Quinn's at nine and six. Carl's at eleven and four. four eleven and four. Jesus. All right. And <laughs> so final at, game. And final is, game. Yeah, is Chicago at home on New Year's Eve? I, New Year's Day. I think it is one of the two. What, yeah, it's on the thirty yeah. first. Yep. That's an easy win for me. Yep. Easy. The easy. only reason we wouldn't win that is if we like everything was all. Settled, Set and we were yep. starting Kyle Slaughter at quarterback right. with um, Jarius Wright as our number one. Yeah, and yep. CJ Ham playing running back, Dude, not or, fullback. Or I want to see um that Miami receiver. What's his name? Oh, um, Co- Co- Stacy Coley. Coley. Yeah, I want him. I love him. He's really good. I'm also going with with the win. I mean, if this yep. game was at Soldier Field, be a different story. But we've won our game at Soldier Field this year, yeah. so we're at home. We're gonna win. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going twelve and four. Twelve and four. That's probably good enough to lock up a number one seed. Uh, at least a first round. It's a first buy. round buy. First I, round buy. For one or two seed. Quinn and I have ended at ten and six, which is good enough for should be a division. Should. Good enough for a division. Hopefully, if it's not the division, it should be good enough for a wild card. Yeah. Um. I don't like predicting the Vikings are going to make the playoffs. I dislike that a lot as well. Um, let's just say, let's just go on record right now and say that nobody is optimistic right now as when we were five and zero last year. Exactly. Exactly. 
not even, and, yeah, not even close. Twelve and four is is pushing it a little bit, but um, in my opinion, but um, ten and six I think is reasonable. Nine and seven may be more of a reality uh, if you take an objective view at it. Maybe. Well, um, let me let me ask you this question. Uh, does ten and six win you the division this year? Yes. Yes, I think so. That I think so. And if it doesn't, I think it definitely puts you in a wild card. Nine and seven, you get push pulled into. I think a ton of tiebreaker scenarios. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't like predicting that. No, no, it. Yeah. If it, ha- yeah. it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I hope they can make the playoffs, but I don't know. It's the Vikings. So what do you guys think uh over under on uh on the Wolf saying we want to play we want to be the first team to play the Super Bowl at our home stadium. I am not going to comment on that. Yeah. And you shouldn't have brought it up. I think uh Kansas City makes the Super Bowl still though. I'm going with my prediction. Kansas City. I'm st- I'm st- the Eagles are still looking good. Buccaneers, the Raiders, not so much. Raiders, Raiders I, I are have the Raiders card. to win. I yeah. have the Raiders, Raiders are, to Raiders win. Raiders are a wild and card. They're three and four. They could still, could still make it. Yeah. With Derek and, Carr back, I think they've, they've, they're, so they're, they're, they're there. If I were to predict again, considering it's halfway, we've, we've said it's halfway, right? I'd say Kansas City still, and because Aaron Rodgers went down, I would have said the Packers, but coming out of the AFC, or NFC, NFC. sorry. Jesus. Um, I think, I think it's going to be, oh my God, there are no good teams in the NFC. Well, there, I don't really think there are any good teams in the NFL this year. Yeah. I, I I don't want to make a prediction. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I don't have a team from, I have no confidence in all the teams in the NFC. Let's make this prediction in, uh, three weeks now. How about that? Fair, fair. But no, no, I'm stick, I'm locking in. Locking Kansas in. City. I dig it. I've locked in Kansas City. But I'm, I'm locked in on Oakland. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm locking <laughs> in on right, Oakland. I still right. believe in the silver and black attack. Well, again, thanks for joining us, Purple Nation. Uh, we'll be back again with you very soon. 